0: Welcome to the like the world podcast and i'm your host lt world so i left you off with the introductory uh, podcast episode last time and now we're jumping into our first like real official real gritty uh, podcast but before we get started i just want you guys to know who i am i'm a writer i'm deeply interested in cultural issues and beliefs and i'm really interested in philosophy and uh, analyzing culture and society as a uh, whole so therefore that's that's just why i'm doing this that's who i am and together we'll be striving to understand beliefs and topics better, uh, by looking at their history, by looking at both sides of an issue, all sides of an issue, and by really just delving into these philosophies and these theories and these beliefs together, uh, as we just explore what the world is trying to tell us and what people believe, and really trying to understand other people's perspectives. So please take a listen, and enjoy. And if you liked what you hear, please subscribe. And before we jump in, uh, completely. I just want you guys to know that if you want to check out my writings or you want to uh, learn more about me, you can follow me on Instagram, you can follow me on Twitter, and you can also check out my website, ltworld.info. Thanks. And now, let's commence. So today, on this episode, we're just going to be talking about the background of postmodernism. And I know not everyone's going to know what postmodernism is. Um, there's actually quite a bit of people who even study the topic who, especially when I was doing my research, um, there's a lot of people who just don't really know how to define postmodernism, it's sort of a very broad concept. It's a very broad topic, and there's many facets to it. So for instance, uh, postmodernism can be described as an art form. And now we're not going to delve into postmodern art. Uh, I'm not an artist, and frankly, I don't really care that much about uh, the different forms of art because I know there's modern art, there's postmodern art, there's abstract art. I'm not an artist. I don't really care. There's people who love it, and that's great. Let them talk about it. Um, for this podcast, we're not going to be focusing on the art. We're not going to be focusing on the act, the music, or any sort of uh, entertainment field. We're going to be focusing more on the philosophy. So there's a postmodern philosophy, and even that philosophy is very broad. But it can be kind of boiled down to uh, some facets, and now each person kind of takes it in their own direction. But it can be boiled down to um, a lack of trust in knowledge. There's a lot of people who, in the post-modern, postmodernist uh, don't trust meta narratives. They don't trust the fact that there's absolute truth. Uh, they don't necessarily think that uh, truth will benefit society. They think it can harm or benefit society. They, uh, on the extreme form, uh, postmodernists believe that truth is relative which basically just means that they believe that uh, there is no such thing as truth, that any truth claim is just a power grab, and really that uh, truth is just up to you. You just got to make your own truths, basically. So on the extreme side of postmodernism, you have complete relativism. On the less severe side, you have skepticism, where they just don't trust anyone. They think, well, yeah, there might be truth out there, but no one can really know what is true. And they're just highly skeptical of truth and uh, epistemology as a whole. And as I said, they don't really believe in meta-narratives. They don't think there's an overarching truth for people to pursue. They don't think overarching truths benefit people. They think each culture or each person has their own truth that will benefit them. Um, And therefore, there's no meta-narrative or no large absolute to pursue. They tend to distrust tradition. They don't really like tradition because they often see it as oppressive or they see it as um, beneficial for that society, perhaps, maybe, but not for ours. And yeah, they don't really, and they don't believe in universal values. They believe that every, all value systems are subjective to their culture, to the person, to society, and they often see morals as relative to each individual. And basically what that means, they believe every person makes their own morals, every person makes their own truths, every person makes their own values, and they're influenced by societies and the people around them. But there are actually not really any absolutes, or they're skeptical of absolutes if there are any. So... And broad, that's what postmodernism believes, and that's kind of that's going. But what we're going to be running with with this podcast. Perhaps people have heard different definitions of postmodernism. Perhaps your concept of postmodernism was different, but for this podcast, that's what postmodernism um, means. that's what postmodernism is broadly philosophically speaking, and so that's what we're running with here. On that's what uh, that's what they assert. So why are we taking a look at it? So let's just what before we even delve into the history, what makes postmodernism? Um, so important. Why am I spending a podcast episode speaking on this topic? A topic that probably some people haven't heard of, a topic that some people probably have heard of, but don't know what it is. But why are we taking this time? Um, the reason being is because it's very prevalent. Uh, I think it's very relevant to our society. I mean, for instance, postmodernism, the term itself wasn't really popularized until... Recently so it was like 1970s, around 1979 I believe it was po- uh, popularized by Leotard, which was a philosopher, I believe he was a French philosopher and he wrote a work that became relatively popular within the um, educational sphere. and he coined the phrase postmodern or postmodernism. and that really gave a launching pad for the future to come, and then you start having these deconstructionists come out, you start having um, like critical theories and all these different things, which have been around before him, but they really got popularized or given a push, in a sense, during the 70s. So, it's very modern, it's very prevalent, and also, as I mentioned, it's the backbone for a lot of different theories and philosophies in the West. So, critical theory, for instance, again, it's been around before the phrase postmodernism was around, but it was really given uh, substance because of postmodernism. A lot of critical theories, a lot of deconstructions, use postmodernism as a backbone or as support for why they believe what they believe, and it's just very prevalent in our even our ways of thinking, our skepticism, our individual. America is very individualistic. We we like our individual values and our individual um, uh, beliefs, and everything's about us in a way. Individually, it's not. It's less about the community, more about individuals. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's just very prevalent in our beliefs. It's very prevalent in our our society. And it's rather rather, uh, recent. And so that's why I think it's important. That's why I think we should talk about it and actually give it a serious, critical look. And you may have even experienced in your own life, postmodernism be used in conversation with you. I mean, for instance, have you heard phrases such as, well, that's just your truth. Or that's just what you believe. Or, oh, that's my truth, my opinion. Uh, You can't disagree with that. Or uh, your opinion hurts my feelings. Like stuff like that. these are rooted in, again, postmodern belief or postmodern thought, uh, a skepticism of truth or a doubting of meta-narratives, therefore, each thing each person making their own individual beliefs. So before we can really even delve farther into the history of postmodernism or how it got started, and really its influence, I suppose, you could say. We need to also talk about modernism because, as the name implies, postmodernism implies that um, it came after something else, post something, and postmodernism. So it came after modernism. Now, as you probably could assume, it, the the relationship between postmodernism and modernism kind of goes hand in hand, but in a way they are complete opposites. So modernism is basically just the opposite of postmodernism. It was a confidence in human reasoning. A lot of modernists believe that. Humans have rational minds that they can understand the world, and they can gain the knowledge, and that they believe that truth was noble. They believe in some sort of meta narratives, or they believe in absolutes, um, and they and they also believe heavily and relied heavily on scientific empiricism, or the belief that scientific studies can help us understand the world better, and therefore through scientific studies and through even philosophy, we can have a true understanding of our world, a true understanding of metaphysics of physics. And we can have a true understanding of through knowledge through reason, and they had confidence that this human reason would lead to a better society, so they believed that as people pursue truth as people use science and these other means like philosophy and these other studies like history and all these different things that it would actually better society in the long run and they believed in meta narratives they believed that truth was absolute they believed that truth was universal they believed in universal morals universal values by and large on the most part and um, they believe that, yeah, that everything that they study and learn could be applied to multiple cultures across the world. And therefore, studying in human reason was very important, not just for the individual, but for everyone. And it really it really bucked the system of their day. And we'll kinda of jump into that, but that's kind of the broad idea of modernism. Again, modernism is very similar to postmodernism. It's very broad. There's a lot of angles you can take, even philosophically, and it also has an art form. There's a modern art and stuff like that. But again, we're going to stick. We're going to stick with the main tenets of the philosophy and look into and look into those as we go farther into this study. So now that we have a sort of an understanding of what postmodernism is and what modernism is, now let's kind of go into a, a little brief history. We can have a crash course history with LT World here. <laughs> so when did modernism begin? Because if we're going to talk about postmodernism again. As I said, we need to have a little bit of understanding what modernism is and how it got started. And so since we know what modernism is, or at least have the base tenets, again, we can go many directions with this. Um, A quick history of modernism is it started off in sort of the Enlightenment era. Now, there's obviously things leading into the Enlightenment era that uh, got the Enlightenment era started, but we're just going to stick with the Enlightenment era. So during the Enlightenment era period, there was the printing press. The printing press was invented around 1420, 1400s, it was somewhere in the 1400s era. And then it became more popular. They built more uh, printing press because, man, it was a way to get the word out there. And a lot of Enlightenment thinkers used a printing press in around the late 1600s, 1700s era, um, around that time period. um, They they used a printing press to get out their thoughts or get out their books, get out their writings, get out their texts. And these modern thinkers included people like John Locke. They included people like David Hume. Um I can't think of all the names off the top of my head, but those are some of the they, they included some thinkers like that, some big names you might have heard of in growing up in school. And what they did, what made the modern thinkers unique in their time period was they challenged the current worldview. So in a lot of ways, as postmodernists, as we'll see, challenged modernists. Modernists challenged their current worldview. So at the time, worry, before the Enlightenment period was the Dark Ages. And the Dark Ages in Europe specifically was known for feudalism, this idea of the kings at the top, you know, the knights have owned the land, and then the peasants work for the knights, and then, you know, the knights then give so much money to the king, and that was kind of the system. And then you had the church, and the church was the religious organization that the bishops and the priests had basically almost as much power as the king did. So during that time period, a lot of belief about knowledge was that knowledge was given. Uh, a lot of people were, couldn't read, a lot of people were illiterate, um, a lot of people basically depended on the church to give them knowledge. They depended on the kings or the dictators to give them knowledge. And they believed knowledge was gained by people giving rather than their own observation. Um, but then the Enlightenment thinkers, using the printing press and reaching out to the people and starting to think for themselves, I suppose, you could say, they challenged that thought. They said, hey, every person is a rational being. Every person can use scientific empiricism to uh, study the world. Every person can challenge worldviews. And you can actually think for yourself. You don't need a king to tell you what to believe. You don't need a bishop or a priest to tell you what to believe. You can observe the world. You can use scientific empiricism. You can study these things. And you can know for yourself. And it was supposed to be that it it really gave a stepping stool for the history to come, the future to come, the ages to come. And that really led to some revolutions. For instance, some people... uh, help they they believe that modernist thought or an enlightenment period uh helped start the french revolution there's a lot of aspects that go into the french revolution this is definitely not the only th- cause but they believe that helped with some revolutions like the french revolution it really influenced how col- colonizing occurred and how colonists practiced their practices and it really just developed the west america for instance was really founded on enlightenment thinkers benjamin franklin for instance really adored and followed in the footsteps of the Enlightenment thinkers. And therefore, a lot of American philosophy, a lot of American texts, and a lot of like the Constitution stuff was built on Enlightenment thought and thinking. So, the Enlightenment period established those ideas that the, there's a rational world, you can understand truth, we'll make ourselves better by understanding truth, and they really bucked the system of their day. And that's kind of why uh, feudalism and all those things really fell out of popularity after several decades then following now, we're not talking about modernism, though. We're talking about postmodernism. And modernism isn't necessarily dead, but it's not as alive and thriving as it was. And there's a reason for that. So, postmodernism, if we just go down a f- couple centuries after the Enlightenment period, you get into the 19th to 20th century. Now, During the 19th to 20th century, there was a lot of thinkers and a lot of influencers during this time that changed the flow of thought in the West, changed the flow of thought in Americas, and really started to put a shift on things. So in the 19th to 20th century, around that time period, you had Charles Darwin who studied evolution and he he released his papers on the origin of man. He started talking about this idea of that, hey, there actually might be, there might not be a god. He, he started proposing this idea of evolution, and that really put a lot of people into question. So, a lot up to this point, there was a lot of um, assumption, especially in the West, that at least there was a deistic God. For instance, Benjamin Franklin, as I mentioned earlier, he was a deist. He believed there was a God, but he believed that God wasn't involved in the world at all. But Darwin, after proposing evolution theory and studying the birds on, I forget what island it was, a lot of people were like, well, if there is no God, that really changes my worldview. If if you don't need a God to create the world, if you don't need a God to uh, form your belief systems, if you don't need a God, so forth and so on, well, then that, that changes a lot of things. And so that started to delegitimize, for some people, absolutes, this idea of absolute truth, this idea that there are universal values. or like, we could all just be a product of evolution. And Nietzsche, during that time period, uh, during Darwin's time period, a little bit after... He kind of ran with this idea that, hey, maybe we can't fully understand what knowledge is or absolute truth. And he really questions, especially in his book, Beyond Good and Evil, which I have my bookshelf back here, but uh, he really questions in his book, Beyond Good and Evil, this idea of why do we, the will to truth, why do we pursue truth? Why do we think that truth is going to help us? And he really just questions this idea of why do we pursue truth? Um, And he's like, do we, is truth even beneficial to us? And he kind of proposes this from a very secular mindset, a very atheistic mindset, um and these questions stores these questions in this skepticism, this air of skepticism about theism, about modernism, about enlightenment period thought, and about this idea of rationality, and we can understand truths and there's men and areas, and there's absolute morals that like Kant proposed uh, Kant proposed that we had absolute morals. They started to snowball and mix with different philosophies, like Marxist philosophies and other prevalent thinkers. And this really started to shake the theistic ground of the West and really started to shake the modern philosophies of the West and the, uh, and the trust in enlightenment thought, which then led into the bubble popping around the earliest, th- mid 20th century, roughly. So a lot of people believe that modernism kind of stuck the Enlightenment thought and modernism kind of stuck around until around World War Two, And now this is when you kind of start seeing the art to change. So in World War II, um, artists, I, I know I wasn't going to talk about this, but modern art kind of shift to postmodern art around that uh, era. And you also see a, a change in philosophy because as we established earlier, modernists, modernists propose that if we pursue truth, that all beings are rational. And if we all study science, if we study science, philosophy – and we gain more truth, the world will actually become better. And since truth is universal, since there are absolutes, that our world will improve, that truth is beneficial for everyone, that everyone will benefit from studying, and therefore we're going to eventually reach a better world. But World War II hit after, just after World War I, and people were jaded. People were like, oh my word, we've been studying science, we've been studying all these things, and our world sucks. Our, <laughs> our world isn't, isn't the utopia that we expect it to be. And therefore, people started questioning uh, the modern theory. And they started questioning the aforementioned thinkers of our era. And it really raised this idea of, well, are they right? And that's what leads in into like, people like Leotard in the 70s and stuff to start saying the phrase postmodernism and start questioning their tenets very heavily. Um, and then this also led into other theories like feminism, critical theory, and deconstructionist philosophies, that really just uh, challenged and were skeptical of our modern philosophies in the West, and that that was sort of that was sort of how we got to where we are now. Then, because then from the seventies, you got these other theories that became popular. And now, the advent of the internet, the advent of technology, everything is available to everyone. I mean, you can go online. And you can look up anything you basically ever dreamed of, and you can find it. The information age has been both a blessing and a curse in many ways. And so now you see postmodern thought everywhere, and you see it all the time, and it's became very mainstream in news and media. Um, these different theories, like critical theory and feminism and stuff, they've really just made their waves through the media. That's kind of the general history of postmodernism, so... How we got to here? What was what led from what was modernism? What was the Enlightenment period? What were their thoughts and ideals? And how did we get from the Enlightenment period to where we are now? And what is postmodernism? So we kind of covered very briefly, very quickly, and obviously we didn't hit absolutely everything. But those are the general broad concepts of how we got to postmodernism in our our day and age today. Um, and so, again, just to kind of quickly summarize some of what we went over modernists they believe in absolute values they tend to believe that rationality will lead to better society they believe that truth is noble that we can actually know what is out there and through scientific empiricism and through studies and through intellectual rigor we will grow in our knowledge of the world they um they believe in the sciences and they believe in absolutes and in postmodernism, it's basically just the opposite they're they're skeptical of truth. They are sometimes even absolute rel they're relativists in the sense that they believe there are there is no truth. They distrust meta narratives. They distrust some of the sciences, and they often seek to deconstruct society and to critically eye it up. And now we are, here we are. So next time uh, on the next episode of the of this podcast, we're going to be talking about. Um, We're going to be talking about the different sides of the issue. We're going to be talking about the people who support postmodernism and the people who don't. And we're going to be basically discussing how they defend it. So we're going to be talking about how how do postmodernists defend their philosophy? What do they say? Does it logically make sense? Um, And then we're going to look at the people who oppose it. Now, we're not not going to look at strictly modernists or strictly theists or strictly Enlightenment thinkers. We're going to look at just people who just don't believe in postmodernism or challenge it. And we're going to see what their line of thought is, what their logic is, and how they defend what they believe. And then we're just going to compare the two and see which one makes the most sense. Uh, logically speaking, which one really has the better arguments? And we're just going to take a, 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 a great look at that. And I think, uh, I think we'll have a good time taking a look at it. And this episode was just the beginning. So thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and stay updated on my social media. You can follow me on Instagram at lt. uh, world On Twitter, you can follow me at ltworld123. And if you'd like to learn more about me or check on my writing, you can go to ltworld.info. And that's me. So thank you for listening. And now, please go out there and light the world, my friends.